0: Hello and welcome to On Mission, a podcast by the Catholic Apostolate Center. Uh, my name is Chris and I'm joined today by Father Frank Kate, and we'll be discussing self care with our guest, Dr. Kristen Whitty. Uh, Dr. Whitty, thanks for joining us today. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and how you're joining us today?
1: Sure. I um, am honored to be a part of this. I am a huge, huge advocate for the Catholic Apostolate Center. And as a Pilate High School grad myself, I uh, see Palatine life being lived out through the work that's being done. Uh, currently, my role is that I am the Director of Outreach for Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service, which is doing a lot of the care for migrants and refugees um, in detention facilities, care for unaccompanied minor children, and reunification work around the United States. Previously, I worked as the Manager of Catechesis Education and Youth for Catholic Relief Services, coordinated pastoral care for the Archdiocese of Baltimore during some very turbulent times. Um, And most importantly, I am married to Andy Whitty. On June 24th will be our 20th wedding anniversary and we have a lovely little girl named Kira Grace.
0: Great, Uh, thank you again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, As I said, you know, today we're talking about self-care and just obviously hearing from your work experience and life experience, um, you certainly probably have a lot to say on that topic. Can you give us just a little bit about, you know, why is self-care so important? to our listeners? And, and, and our listeners are, are really, you know, church professionals, ministry folks, people who are looking f- to engage their faith. Why would it be important uh, for folks like that to focus on self-care?
1: Well, let's take it to the gospel. Let's start there. Matthew seven twelve. it's the golden rule. Um, In everything, do unto others as you would have them do to you. I think it's interesting because usually we think that that passage only points to the do unto others part, like how would I treat others? But I'd make the argument that what there was a balance there in that statement, that doing unto others as you would have them do to you means that you are expected to be taking care of yourself and modeling what it means to take care of others. It's the old oxygen mask statement. You know, how many of you have been on planes recently? And not many, but the truth is when we get on planes, they say in the event of a drop in cabin pressure, I've been on a lot of planes, an oxygen mask will drop down in front of you. If you are traveling with a child or someone who needs assistance, place the oxygen mask on yourself first. Because if you don't help yourself, you can't help anybody else. We are givers and people have so many needs right now on so many levels. We get into ministry because we want to be caregivers and we want to show love. But if you have nothing in the well, you can't give. And we're supposed to be giving from our abundance. So placing the oxygen mask on ourselves is what's going to make us be able to sustain and have resilience through the long struggles that we're going to be seeing for quite some time.
0: So do you have any... Any, like, particular um, items or passages or reflections or, I guess, uh, tips, skills that you turn to to find that kind of self-care?
1: I think everything that I do turns to prayer. Mm -hmm. And that could be dancing in the living room to the Descendants soundtrack with my five-year-old. It could be um, coloring just sitting and quietly coloring while we listen to classical music. It could be me praying the rosary by the side of my bed. It could be, oh, it, it really doesn't, it, as long as I am making sure that it is a conversation with God, as long as I'm making sure that I am entering God into the situations that I'm a part of, that God is integrated into how I am feeding myself, um, there's a level of accountability that's even higher than the accountability I have to my husband, to my friends. Um, I'm being honest with God that today is a day I'm struggling and I need your grace more than I have in a while. Um, I, I also find that often the right thing to say when people come to me in times when they're struggling and sometimes when I'm struggling the right thing to say, the right thing to do is just listening. Not being, planning something or giving the world's greatest advice. Instead, it's an opportunity to really show pastoral presence of Jesus Christ and just listen. Just listen and listen again and listen again. But that listening is exhausting. So, Often to feed myself, I'll take a long walk, just me. And I'll have a conversation with God about what I heard and what's going on. And that empties the tank. You know, often as ministers, we become saturated. And I I use the image of a, a wet sponge, that it's just saturated. And what does it mean to kind of squeeze out that sponge for different people? For my husband, who's a marathoner? He can take a seven mile run and come back covered in sweat. And he is at peace. If I took a seven mile run, I'd be in the hospital right now. (laughs) (laughs) But that brings him joy. Um, For me, I can watch a play and I could watch plays, but I could watch a play and come out with tears rolling down my cheeks and think that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and feel a sense of peace and joy at the beauty of art. Everyone's got things that feed them. And when we get into situations of high stress or high concern, or we get in situations, for example, right now, where there's quarantine, we forget to feed ourselves. We forget to feed ourselves with the oxygen that we need. And we get focused on other people and focused on the dilemma at hand we're focused on the hurricane, and we forget that we actually are the I with God, and we can be at peace even amidst a storm. So those would be some things that I would consider.
2: So what then, Kristen, would be some of the ways in which to deal with, address anxiety, stress, that are healthy ways, that are not necessarily... we. We could probably sit here and enumerate all the destructive, self-destructive ways that that can be done. But what are some of the ways that would be, would you say that would be helpful for people? Top ways.
1: I think a healthy expression of emotion. That was a good question. A healthy expression of emotion is important. Um, I think if you need to cry, cry. If you need to laugh, laugh. Uh, do storytelling. Storytelling is such a gift. And I mean, our our scriptures come from oral tradition. And yet, we so often have lost that gift of storytelling. Tell stories, physical exercise, writing, drawing, music, dance. But I, I really believe that healthy expression is critical. Um, I, am a vi- I am anti-Zoom. I can't help it, I have to work on it for many hours, but I am anti-Zoom um, because it reminds me of the Muppet Show when they'd say, da, 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 and most sensational, inspirational, they're all in little cubbies. And I'll be honest, uh, it's, it's, I like feeling what people are feeling in the room that I'm sitting in with, sitting with them in. And what's sad about that is that for someone who brings to the world empathy. Um, this is a very difficult time because there's so much pain surrounding people. Um, so much pain surrounding me, so much pain surrounding so many people in ministry. And yet um, there's very little to, to do. Um, I believe that relationships are the key. I believe that even if it has to be via zoom and I have now done this, I've broken down, they broke me. Um, Even if it has to be through virtual technology, I think finding people who can be truly present with you, checking in with people who you might have lost touch with recently, finding those connections, bridging those those relationships will give a sense of grounding. Um, I have found that Having opportunities to reconnect with high school friends, with college friends, with people I've worked with 20 years ago has brought me an incredible sense of belonging and I think we're we've lost a lot of that sense of belonging and accompaniment and both of those things are sacred you know the road to Emmaus calls us to that accompaniment and that belonging and how do I make sure that I know, that we're walking along with Jesus Christ and we do that in the people that we're with. So I, even if you can't physically be with someone to know that all of your friends are praying together at the same time, every Tuesday, you will, I I have had the experience of feeling it wash over me. that I know my friends are with me in that moment. Um, We, Often struggle, I think, because we put a juxtaposition between being close and being um, physically intimate and being emotionally intimate. We've we've somehow made those things the same thing, and also made those things two very different things. I think that there's an intimacy to relationship that's very healthy and beautiful and must be there. That doesn't mean that it has to be physical. And our church has been very clear about, (laughs) if you read Theology of the Body from a different perspective, the role of physical in an intimate relationship. You should already be friends. You should already be intimate. You should already be loving. You should already be listening. You should already be present and prayerful. That's sacred, and I, I think this opportunity is calling us back to those sacred relationships that aren't based on, I can give you a hug, we can meet at Starbucks, we can go have happy hour. They're based on reality. Are you okay? Do you need me to pray with you? Can we talk honestly about where we are and who we are in the world? I, I think that this is an opportunity to clear the slate on some misconceptions about the beauty of relationships and for us to reclaim them. And so I think that that is a lifeline that maybe it's been thin for a long time, but it has an opportunity for us to really strengthen it.
3: So Kristen, you've talked a little bit about some positive ways that we can um, take care of ourselves, especially during these times of stress. You've talked about community relationships, reaching out to other people, Listening to others, even physical activity, doing things that you know make us laugh or that just ease our tension. And it sounds like something that's very fundamental to self care is self awareness. And a lot of people are just having to re navigate you know, what does my life look like right now? What's important to me? Who's important to me? Who do I need to reach out to? What do I need to be fulfilled and at peace? And I think a lot of people are really struggling with that, you know, um, especially when the days just seem to go on and on. Um, We're so used to going into the office or having a meeting or having our lunch break and having those routines um, define our lives. And so now that we're at home, we're having to redefine a lot of those things Um, and check in with ourselves a lot more. And you mentioned that prayer is a really great way to not only check in with God, but to check in with ourselves and to be honest with God about how we're feeling. Um, What would you say to some some people that uh, are working for the church or that work in ministry or just active Catholics, who might say that self-care is selfishness or, or just not necessary, that there are way bigger fish to fry or way more important things going on in the world, and that self-care can just sort of take a back seat or, or could, could even be a form of selfishness? I would say I, I was one of them. Um, I
1: absolutely am. I was the epitome of ministry without self-care. Um, until I was burning out at a very young age. Um, you can only, uh, as St. Ignatius Loyola says, you can only set the world on fire um, if, if you still have fuel to burn. Um, you can only, uh, we are asked to give from our abundance, not from our core. And the problem is we can't give what we don't have because we're not willing to admit that we have needs too. I I believe that we were given a very specific box of gifts by God. And it is our responsibility to discern in our relationship with God how we can best use that box of gifts in the world. I believe that Discernment includes figuring out what's in your box of gifts. I believe that humility is not just uh, pious apologizing for ego. I believe humility is honestly knowing what you bring to the world and naming it. But that also includes honestly knowing what you don't bring to the world and when you're in trouble. And so to say that you're a Catholic, a discerning, prayerful, humble Catholic, which is what we're aspiring to, sainthood, holiness. If you're saying you're a Catholic, but you have no need for self-care, God gave you these gifts. God gave you this life to give away. How can you give away something that you're not caring for? We, we are called to care for what God has given us, care for creation, it's a basic social justice concept. You are part of that creation. And I have too many times, myself included, seen people trying to minister when they're starving. I have a, an analogy that I'll give you um, of a waiter who is hungry, goes to work, forgets to eat breakfast, forgets to eat lunch, and gets to the dinner shift and is starving. I mean, hung, you know that hungry feeling? And you get like hangry and you start crankying on people. And he keeps bringing food out to the people who are in the restaurant at the tables. And he just keeps walking out with their French fries and their, their hamburgers and their milkshakes and all the stuff that they're ordering. And every time he does it, he thinks, you're just... You don't even know how hungry I am. And he's getting angrier and angrier with the customers. He's resenting the fact that he's offering them food and he doesn't even have any food. And you're not even going to eat those French fries. You don't, you said you didn't even like onion rings and you ordered them. And now you're going to like throw them out. I've got to go throw these out. And then the angry waiter will end up doing a couple of things. One is they'll start stealing fries from their customers before the food goes out. Two is he'll resent the customers who are just asking for what they were already asking for, but, but they're for him to do his job. And number three, he'll blame them. And he'll blame the workplace when it was his job to feed himself before he got there. I believe ministers do this waitering, angry waitering. I believe we are so busy... Um, taking care, quote unquote, of others, that we forget to do things, we start to resent the people that we're serving. Well, I run all the prayer services, but I don't ever get any private prayer time. We get into situations where we're asking our people to minister to us instead of ministering to them because we're so tired, we're so in need, we're so hungry. So it becomes a, a, a support group for the minister instead of being a place where people can come to be nurtured because the minister is hungry. And the third thing is I really think that people burn out and become angry with church when they're ministers, when they are not taking care of their basic needs, of their home needs, of their food needs. We become resentful of the organization that we serve not because the organization didn't say feed yourself, but because we didn't do it. And that is where we must take responsibility for our own care and our own nurturing so that we can nurture others. It's a a cycle of being unhealthy, breeds an unhealthy congregation, breeds an unhealthy parish community, breeds unhealthy families. If we're not taking care of ourselves, we cannot put the oxygen mask on others.
2: You had mentioned, you've mentioned a few different times uh, as as we've gone along about prayer. And then also, and I know that it's a, a challenge at the moment because of the pandemic with receiving sacraments, but the, one of the difficulties that I sometimes see with priests, religious, lay ecclesial ministers, people who do a lot of activity, lay ministry in in the church, especially around liturgical ministries, but a number of other ministries, that they're there so much and they're doing these things that they they don't enter into the the sacramental moment, into the mass, into the encounter with Christ in the Eucharist, um, not necessarily entering into the sacrament of penance or spending time in personal prayer. Um, that's often the first thing that that goes. They say that often in formation for religious life or for priesthood is that the first thing that goes uh, in in ministry often, as strange as it sounds, is one's personal prayer life, and that then leads to other things in terms of of lack of self care. So where do, where does that all come in and 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 connect? To what we've been talking about. You've spoken about it a bit, but in terms of the more, maybe the more public prayer of the church and even pers- people's private prayer.
1: Couldn't throw me a softball, Frank? No. Oh. Yeah, you know, we, we've
2: been at this. Point. one. Uh, just a disclaimer is that um, uh, Kristen and I did our doctoral work together, Um oh, my areas, goodness. Uh, pastoral so many years. care. Uh, we, also, we also were on a, a crisis intervention, and we'll talk that, about that maybe a little bit later. But we, we also were on a crisis uh, intervention uh, team that, that Kristen led uh, in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And we, we entered into some pretty significant moments of crisis and difficulty in parishes and schools. Uh, and uh, those were um, important moments. They were good, important moments of learning for me as well. Uh, in in those those situations, but that's those are also moments too that those sudden moments but i think if if we we look at that that prayer piece that and and the sacraments piece, I think it can be really an important element to the to the whole uh conversation that we're having right now
1: oh absolutely, but wow, that was a great question that like shot to the core okay here would be my my take on um i think one of the challenges uh i have a a very dear friend who goes to mass because that's what you do as a catholic has never had any theological training i don't think cares to have theological training on sundays you go to mass because that's what good people do they go to mass and i've asked So, what do you feel when you receive the Eucharist? What are you talking about? And, and I, first, I felt really bad for this person. Oh, poor you. You don't understand the depth and glory and beauty. It's not the. And then I realized, um, must be lovely to think of it as just an action that, that prayer that, um, sacramental life is a do. Because that takes so much responsibility off of you for maintaining a depth of relationship that is at the core of who you are. Sacraments can't be what we do. They must be who we are. We we are lived incarnate works of God's art that have to live that way in every moment and every relationship we are nourished to live those lives by the sacraments. When we separate the due of the sacraments, like, well, I'm going to line all the little children up so that they can have confession for the first time. And then you say, well, but but this is a sacrament of reconciliation. This is an opportunity. Wouldn't it be great if they watched you go in? To have a conversation with our Lord and and pivot your relationship with God and with the community so that it's in alignment, so grace can just pour into your life. No, no, I'm just going to line them up. It's like my friend who goes to church because it's something to do. Demonstrate instead it's who you are. It defines you. It makes you you in the world. Everything that I do, I do for the love of Jesus Christ. The action isn't the core. The relationship is the core. I believe that ministers become, create a detachment between the do and the be. And I think that that's one reason why we struggle with youth and young adults, because they sense the authenticity The disconnect is inauthentic. You must authentically be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can't just do the work of Jesus Christ. You must be a follower to pass on being a follower, um, which is our mandate. Go and make disciples. So from my vantage point, ministers need retreat more than they need to give retreats. Ministers need to be praying more than they need to be leading prayer. Because we are the model for so many of what it means to integrate your love of Jesus Christ into every cell of your being into every decision you make, into every relationship you have. And sometimes we fail. That's why we have sacraments of healing. But look at the the beauty of how we're supposed to be connected. We're we're connected in a way that theologically no one is connected. (laughs) And yet, with the communion of saints behind us, we, we stand often as if we've got some sort of checklist. Well, if I lead kids um, by having them stick, you know, uh, cotton balls to a sheep, and I tell them about the good shepherd, that's good enough, checkbox, I'm fine. I did something for Jesus. Have you talked to him? Do you know him? Have you written him a letter telling him of your love for him? Do you sit and laugh about ridiculous things you did that day and say, whoa, so the funniest thing happened. I dropped something on my foot and my daughter heard me say something and then she started repeating it around the house and then her grandparents called. Um, Are you able to have those moments where Jesus is sitting next to you as a playmate and a friend and a confidant? Or is what you do what you're getting a paycheck for, or is it an extension of your evangelizing the world because of who you are and your love of Christ?
0: So I think um, one of the things that's on a lot of people's minds, um, especially in the um, and of course, this is going to be, you know, dating or time stamping this podcast. But I think it's important to to address is, you know, in this time that we find ourselves in this pandemic, the quarantine, you know, things went, things were going great, and then in a matter of days, it felt like, and and maybe even in some cases, hours, um, things were different. So. How do you have any anything that you can talk about about how one manages that sudden change, and which can almost feel suffocating? Um, and you know that you've almost that you've you you've had a lit candle and it's been suddenly snuffed out. Um, any thoughts on that, and and how folks can manage that?
1: Sure. Two thoughts. Um, the first one is about change. Uh, And the second one is about uh, the reality of control, both of which Father Frank will laugh that I'm saying because he's going to eventually call me out on the fact that, you know, physician heal thyself. But
2: I'm not touching um, this one. (laughs)
1: um, So... I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, change because we are using the word unprecedented all the time. That word I have grown to seriously dislike, the word unprecedented. Unprecedented means never done or known before. I hate to break it to people, but every day is unprecedented. Every hour of every day is unprecedented. I lost my father of a heart attack in a seven hour period that was unprecedented. But so today was the fact that my daughter got stung by a bee for the first time. Two very different things. Every interaction is unprecedented. You could meet your spouse on a virtual date tomorrow and your entire life could change its trajectory. Every Interaction is unprecedented. Is this on a large scale? Yes. But so many of the routines that Kate was talking about earlier are still actually in place. A lot of our routines are still in place. A lot have changed. A lot are still in place. And I think so much of what we need to recognize is that... Um, Change is growth if it's reframed properly. Change is opportunity. The, the Chinese symbol for crisis is the symbol for danger and the symbol for opportunity linked together. And I, I love that because crisis is both danger and opportunity. And unfortunately, our media, are every way that we're getting information nowadays, the way that we're talking to each other, it's as if it's only danger all the time. But I think we need to ask some questions of ourselves that are new questions, that reframe change as not scary or confining, but as opportunity and and an an evolution, a cracking open of what we are used to. Um, I... I would make the argument that this is a time when we can rethink what family is. I would make an argument that we are rethinking prioritization in our lives. I would make the argument that we are valuing human life differently and figuring out the interconnectedness between all of us. And what does it mean to wear a mask and be kind? Um, We bend to darkness and we know that there is a light that can overcome the darkness and there is no darkness that can overcome the light. We bend to darkness when we are afraid of change. We need to be vehicles of the light. And when we're afraid, we're human. We we become afraid. But we need to reframe that as opportunity. We need to reframe that as we're being presented with this incredible challenge to become more, to become bigger, to become something that God sees us evolving into that we never even knew possible. Um, so I, I do see, you know, part one is as being we have to reframe this experience because It is not being framed for us in a way that long-term will stay healthy. The second piece is the control piece. Many people, present company included, have always enjoyed the illusion of control. I enjoy the illusion of control, but I do not enjoy the responsibility that comes with my illusion. Most people, I think, don't. I want control when things are going well or when um, it's a small thing. But when it's a big thing, God, why aren't you fixing this? Okay, I'm going to trust you now because it's out a, a little too big for me and I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm getting upset. So God, fix it. Fix racial injustice in the United States. Come on, God. I'm watching it on the news. Fix it. Come on, God. I'm watching unaccompanied minors being detained and their parents not being informed that they're being sent out of the country. Fix it. Okay, God, I'm, I'm watching, you know, absolute chaos. Fix it. What's interesting is the illusion of, of control is just as ridiculous as the idea that i have the power to tell an omnipotent omnibenevolent omniscient god that you better do what i tell you to do cuz i'm the boss of you now i'm not saying <laughs> that i haven't had days where i i actually understood that this is all pretty silly but in the grand scheme of things this is the un- this is the pattern of behavior <laughs> that i fall under The challenge is, at this time, it is very easy to raise your fist to heaven and say, God, fix it. I'm in control here. I'm I'm the boss here. And fix it. This is the um, moralistic therapeutic deism um, that's spoken of in uh, Christian Smith's books. But the bottom line is that when we raise our fists to heaven and say, God, why aren't you doing something? God consistently responds. Like the voice in the whirlwind in the book of Job, God responds. God says, A, I'm God and you're not. And you would not understand my master plan for the universe. And B, God's response to how come I see so much injustice is I did do something, I created you. I created you. I gave you this incredible set of gifts and you you see suffering out there? You see your neighbor feeling isolated and alone? You You hear that your friend is upset and you wanna know what I'm gonna do to fix it? Why aren't you fixing it? I gave you the gift of life. I gave you incredible gifts. Get up and do something. You are a co worker in the vineyard. You are a keeper of my vision. You are to bring the kingdom on earth. Do it. So, so much of what we're experiencing is this paralysis. And I would dare say that we need to crack open that impression of paralysis and see it as this incredible opportunity to stop talking about being a disciple and be a disciple. Because this is that moment, that cathartic moment that someday we will read about in history books and you will be asked the question, what did you do at that time?
3: And binging Netflix isn't going to cut it. I love that. I love the the idea of reframing this time as an opportunity and um, how you spoke about risk also being a, a time of opportunity. Um, and I, while you were talking, I was just thinking of, of the Great Commission, of course, after Christ has resurrected and his apostles come and say, okay, now is it time for you to restore the kingdom now that you've done all of this? And he says, as the father has sent me, so I send you not, okay, I'm going to do everything now, but I'm going to send you the Holy spirit, um, who will empower you to accomplish everything and to do greater things. than he himself did on earth, um, through his Holy spirit. So I love that, that reframing, um, and and just going it 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 also just goes back to prayer that you were talking about earlier if we're spending time with God in prayer asking him what his will is and what his will is for our lives and what he you know collaborating with him what what are we going to do about this and lord what can i do with your help i think that again it goes it just goes back to that that the importance of prayer and spending time with Christ. Because again, we can get stuck on the crucifixion and the death of Jesus as the apostles did, um, instead of the greater plan, the salvation of all, the resurrection. Um, and so I think that reframing our perspective during this time leaves us in a position of more empowerment rather than we are victims of our of the external um, circumstances going on around us. and and in prayer we can be honest about how we're feeling even if today is a hard day, like you said, there's that the prayer and honesty with God recognizes our humanity and that we do have limits or that we can get scared at points. Um, and that's why too, I think that we can also, reach out to the saints uh, who also struggled and who also went through um, plagues and division in the church and um, political upheaval. And um, I think that they can also be some of our partners in this as we talk about self-care uh, because we can turn to actual human beings who, who have won the race, who have, who have finished it. Um, and so I think that that's another resource that we can talk about. Um, in terms of reaching out to others, having a relationship with with the body of Christ who's already victorious.
1: So let me tell you a moment of self-care. A moment of self-care was just now hearing Father Frank's voice. That was self-care. Because that's someone who is a brother of mine, a brother in Christ, who has been loyal at times when no one else was loyal, who has stood by at the hardest times, We were waiting to adopt my daughter when we were struggling. And it doesn't take a lot, it just takes a moment, and you feel fed. So, tonight was a little miracle for me. So, thank you all. My final word on self care is that it's crucial for us to know our worth, it is crucial for us to know that we are created in the image and likeness of God who loves us, who loved us in the womb. We need to recognize that that love didn't stop and that we need to be reflecting that love to others. We are gift. Every day is a gift. Every conversation is a gift. We need to remember so desperately, that we ground ourselves so that we can give of ourselves. We feed ourselves so that we have the energy to feed others. Even Christ came apart and rested a while. We need to take care of who God has given, the incredible gifts that God has given us. We need to... Make sure that we are in unbelievable, bountiful graces are being offered to us every day. And if we accept them through our relationship with Jesus Christ, we will be fed enough to feed 5,000.
0: Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Witty. It's been a pleasure to have you with us tonight on On Mission. Um, Dr. Whitty is also an advisor to the Catholic Apostolate Center, so we thank you for your uh, help and service with that as well. Um, This wraps up another episode of On Mission from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Be sure to find us and other podcasts from the Center on our Spotify, iTunes, or on our website at catholicapostolatecenter.org.